Welcome to the Worldonomics podcast brought to you by the UQES diversity team. My name is Ali and during the semester, Francisco, Abby, Eleanor and I will interview guests about issues that matter. UQES would like to acknowledge both Turbal and Jagaran nations, traditional owners and their custodianship of the land on which this podcast is taking place today. We pay our respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue cultural and spiritual connections to the country. We recognise their valuable contributions to Australian and global society. Welcome to another episode of Academic Corner. It is a pleasure to have Madi Abogazemi, a lecturer of business analysis for the School of Mathematics and Physics. Welcome, Madi. Could you please introduce yourself? Hello, everybody, and uh, um, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a lecturer in data science and business analytics at the School of Mathematics and Physics and University of Queensland. Basically, my um, research is about forecasting predictive analytics with machine learning and statistical models. And I have applied my, my research and worked in different domains, in, in, including in energy and supply chain. I'm pretty new to UQ. I joined the UQ recently. But before that, I was doing my postdoc at uh, Monash University. I spent two years at Monash doing research on different aspects of forecasting, but mostly focused on energy forecasting. And previous to my appointment at Monash, I was doing PhD at the University of Newcastle in New South Wales. That's basically my background. So it's all about forecasting and studying from my PhD. On the teaching part, I do um, pretty much you know, teach different units in undergrad and master uh, in statistical modeling and also uh, machine learning. So that's basically the focus of my teaching at, at the moment at the University of Queensland. I'm teaching a master unit computational statistics, basically. Uh, it's called applications of computational statistics. That's amazing. Thank you for that. So, Madi, in our podcasts, we usually start with a fun question. For you, I prepared this one. In the office, where do you hide your crystal ball to predict the future? Ah, (laughs) where do I hide it? (laughs) Under the monitor, like behind the monitor? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, that's a great answer. Yeah, I was like, is he going to say in my computer or something? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> great. <laughs> and so, Madi, with so much about forecasting that you've been involved with for the last years, could you please explain what is forecasting for our audience? Yeah, sure. So forecasting is the methodology, basically, of using um, historical observations and any future knowledge that you might have to predict the outcome of the thing that you want to forecast. For example, if you think about, just like talking about energy, for example, if you want to forecast electricity demand today, for example, at five or 6 p.m., so you can use the historical observations that we have, all the information from today, yesterday, last week, this, you know, last week on Thursday and so on. You can use the historical observation But that's not the only thing that you can use. You can also use the possible knowledge that you have from future and incorporate into your model 
for example, you might say, oh, okay, based on the weather forecast, I know it's going to rain at 6 p.m. or at 5 p.m. and I know temperature is going to drop down. So you can use that knowledge that you have from future. That's, you know, it is even, uh, often it's not a certain thing that you have, but it's more kind of a forecast that you have. But it's, uh, again, it's some input that you can have. So it's using both these information, putting them together, and then predicting the thing that you want to know about future. Uh, so that's called forecasting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Could you also then tell us in terms of research in the field of forecasting, were there any breakthroughs that have happened recently? Yeah, in field of forecasting, I tell you, this is a, a very interesting outcome and, and breakthrough in forecasting that we have, which is applicable probably in other fields as well. So, you know, with the rise of AI and machine learning everywhere, people are talking about it, well, what's going to happen in future? I do spend quite a bit of time reading about AI and machine learning and uh, how it would shape our um, society in future. And of course, my research also involves a lot of work in machine learning and AI and how, how we can use them in different applications. So talking about forecasting and what machine learning has done. So we have these sorts of competitions, very famous competitions called M competitions. It's a series of competitions right now. It's at the moment, basically people are working on M6 forecasting. So we have had M1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And right now it's M6, which is about forecasting financial data. But the talking about the breakthrough one of the things that in forecasting community, people were always talking about is like, okay, we have seen a lot of competitions, M1, M2, and M3, and other competitions that came, came in and people participated in them, but machine learning models, they didn't do well. The statistical models outperform machine learning model. And even very, you know, surprisingly simple models, simple models, they uh, did as good as complicated models. And people were like, okay, so what's, what's happening? Is there really any benefit using machine learning models and more complicated models in general? Or it's better to stick to simple models that we already have. So M4 forecasting competitions was basically organized to address these questions. Can machine learning models do as good as the statistical models and more simple models? So uh, yeah, they announced this competition and uh, a lot of people participated in this competition. The winner was someone from um, Uber. Back in the time, uh, he was working in Uber and he proposed this you know, hybrid model that uses a neural network partly. Basically, he won this competition and, he, and that was the time that, um, and a lot of other researchers and you know, data scientists um, practitioners, consultants, they participated in this competition. And even the second place also, they partly used machine learning models, and of course, some parts of statistical models. Um, and they showed that, yes, machine learning models can actually do very well, and they outperformed the other methods that we, we had in the forecasting community, basically, for a long time, people were using them. And it continued, this trend continued in M5, which was the next round of competition. It was about forecasting Walmart sales data. It's a real world data set, Walmart you know, in, in America, in US. So they had the data sets from Walmart. And again, 
machine learning models and specifically light GBM model for those uh, that they might know the name that outperformed the other types of models that we have. And actually the winner was, uh, was a student from South Korea. So one of the breakthrough is we can develop machine learning models that can outperform simple and statistical models that we have. Yeah. So, but there are other breakthroughs, like they have been, you know, talking about the machine learning models. Of course, there are some other things that researchers and people have discovered just during the last few years, some interesting things, but I think that was the biggest one in my point of view. Yeah. I'm sure there were probably too many to cover in just one podcast, but so then how did you start working in the field of forecasting? Yeah. How did I start working on forecasting? So the stuff that I do now, basically most of the things uh, that I do these days on, is on time series forecasting. I started working on time series forecasting from my PhD. I applied for a project which was about sales forecasting, forecasting sales of products you know, in, in Woolworth and in, in, uh, calls for, for a manufacturing company in New South Wales, basically, that they, they were selling the products in you know, over 2,000 retailer shops in Australia in Coles and Woolies. So they had this project and I was looking at it like, it, it, it looks interesting to me. They want to predict, basically they want to forecast how much of every single product that they have, they're going to sell in different uh, retailer shops across Australia. And, and it was a full scholarship and I was like, okay, um, that sounds interesting, something that I like to work on. It's a challenge for me to see if I can develop some model that they would be useful in practice, like you know, this company, they can use this model in practice to improve their forecasting. So yeah, I applied for the project and well, I didn't hear back for a year almost and I totally forgot about it. And then after a year, someone emailed me, hey, are you still interested? And I was like, interested in what? Like, I couldn't remember anything about this project. And at the time I was doing my master uh, in Spain. And then I was like, okay, um, oh, I, I know who you are now. I, I did, you know, search in my email and I found them. And then I said, okay, yeah, why not? And I participated, you know, I had an interview and I got this scholarship and I started working on forecasting. And ever since I've been working on forecasting, Wow, and it's clearly gone well for you because you're now actually, I've heard, an active member of the International Institute of Forecasters. Could you tell us a bit about the Institute and what it does? Yeah, sure. The International Institute of Forecasters, actually, it's a main body. It's an international organization. A lot of amazing forecasting researchers and practitioners, they all they, 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 they are members, actually, in this institute. And I came across the institute uh, basically when I started my PhD. So I was looking around to find who are the researchers in this area, what are the things that have been done in this area. And uh, this was, if you do a bit of Google, probably this is the name that you would uh, come across as well. So they have a conference that goes every year. Um, it's called International Symposium on Forecasting. Uh, they run it every year in July or June or July, depending on the location. It might change a little bit, but it goes to all the beautiful places in the world. So I thought this is a great opportunity to, you know, that at the time it was in Cairns in Australia. 
And I was like, oh, fantastic. This is a great opportunity to go to the conference and see how it goes. That's how I, in 2017, they came to Australia and I went to this conference and I met a lot of people there. And that's how I started working with this institute and getting to know the people. And I remember River Scenes and I go to conferences every year. And it's a fantastic community. It's interesting because we have people not just from academia, but we have people from industry. And you know, we, we have people coming from industry that present in this in the conference every year and they're active in the society. The people are really fantastic. So once I got to know them, I haven't let it go. So I'm just working with this community and we have a lot of interesting programs and a lot of interesting work that we're doing basically continuously. Yeah, that's really amazing to hear about and to know it's such a good community to work within as well. So you're definitely as well not a stranger to podcasts as you actually started the Forecasting Impact podcast. So could you tell us a little bit about how you started that and how it's going now? Yeah, Forecasting Impact. I was thinking about running a podcast or maybe a YouTube channel to basically communicate the science and practice of forecasting. You go around and you see people are, many people don't know that forecasting exists. And even though forecasting has a history of a few thousand years, if you think about it, humanity basically have been interested in forecasting um, always. Like if you go to 2000 years ago, you can see that people in, in Greece would go to Delphi, a city in, in, back, back in the time in Greece, uh, to see the oracle and to uh, know what's going to happen in their future life or to people were interested always to know something about the future and talking about the history nowadays many people don't know forecasting is a science that you can use it in practice for a lot of things that you can in, in your, you're dealing with them daily for example weather forecasting is one of them so i was thinking that why do people don't, well, first of all, many people don't know. And secondly, the people that then know it, some of them, they're not using the state of the art and best practices that we have. So I thought about how we can communicate forecasting with the community outside of our forecasting community with other people and reach out to them and disseminate the science and practice of forecasting. So I thought about this, like what we can do, few things came to my mind. One of them was maybe a YouTube channel or a podcast. And because I was really interested in podcasts, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I thought that would be a great choice. People can listen to podcasts, you know, while running or walking their dogs or doing something. Uh, they can still listen to this and they can learn something while doing some other activities. And that's how um, I talked to the, to the president of the society. And I told him, hey, look, this is the idea that I have. And he's very supportive. He supported me. And then I got to talk to a few of my colleagues in, in, in the institutes. And they're all early career researchers, um, excellent young researchers. So I got to talk to them. And that's how we started Forecasting Impact. And it's going well. We do run monthly podcasts. I would like to have more frequent episodes, but things are you know busy, so <laughs> we haven't had a chance to you know run it frequently. But it's going very well. The 
people love it. Forecasting community really likes it. And I think we have had a lot of amazing guests from both academia and industry, and we have learned a lot uh, along the way. And I'm excited to see how it will go in future. Yeah. Who would you say have been some of your best guests on the podcast? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I got asked that question, actually. Uh, we are, that's a difficult question to answer because I uh, you know, genuinely, I like everything. For every single episode, I like something about it. It's not like one episode that I would say, this is something that stands out for me. But for me, specifically, the first podcast and the first episode, it was interesting and it is uh, unique in the sense because it was the time that Forecasting Impact was born. Basically, it was my first time interviewing someone officially in, in the podcast. And it was exciting that we were running this Forecasting Impact podcast. And we had a special guest, my supervisor, actually, uh, Monash, one of my supervisors. He's one of the in this area. So, yeah, I would say that was very special for me. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That's always exciting to do your first podcast. Thanks for listening in to our latest episode. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to check UQESLs on Facebook and Instagram for our latest events as well as our publications. We have a Women in Finance and Economics evening coming up soon.